please turn with me there to Psalm 47. We've already warned the class next door that because in this psalm we are commanded to clap our hands and shout to God and blow the shofar, we're going to do all of that more than once. Praise the Lord. So, yeah, if, if any of you have hearing aids that might be sensitive to a lot of noise, and if, if any of you, uh, for any reason, this would be hard on your ears, you might want to consider sitting further away or standing outside the door or something. Well, we were in uh, Florida, and Reuven was speaking to a, uh, a nursing home, a, a room full of people. And, of course, as he often does before he speaks, he blows the shofar, and he had not warned them. And so many grabbed their ears. After that, we thought, okay, now we need to, need to start warning people a little bit. Yeah, Jim, put in your hearing aids. <laughs> Amen. Hey, Carla, good to see you again. We've prayed for Carla Miller many times because of her fall. Great to have you back. Yeah, this is great. Family reunion right here. Okay, Psalm 47. He starts out to the chief musician, a psalm of the, song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. We always kind of explain a little bit about the psalm when we see a heading like that. So in 1 Chronicles 6, we read that King David appointed men over the service of song and praise in the house of the Lord, and among them were Korah and his sons. And so this one was written by the sons of Korah. 1 Chronicles 9.19 says the Korahites, which is what they called the sons of people, the Korahites were in charge of the work of the service, gatekeepers of the tabernacle. So Korah's sons wrote this psalm for the Israelis to use in praising God. And later the Jews adopted this psalm in celebration of the new year with hope and faith that God would rule over the nations in the coming year. It's a psalm of victory, praise, and hope. So Psalm 47 verse 1 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. So this is not just a, a good idea. It's not a suggestion. It's actually a command. Clap your hands. And the Korahites were telling the people of God that were, have come to the temple or the tabernacle to worship to clap their hands and to shout to God with a voice of triumph, which we're not going to do immediately, but we will do. So um, they were to shout triumphantly. They were to clap enthusiastically. You know, it's natural for us as humans to clap and shout when there is a victory. And this would have been a common occurrence in the house of God. And technically, it should be a common occurrence in our house of God. So it will be this morning for us. And if it's not in the house of God where we worship, at least it should be in our homes where we worship. You can shout and clap your hands and dance around and worship the Lord very freely in your own home. And then when you come to public worship, you just bring that anointing with you. So don't think that you come here to receive everything and you're going to do it all here and then go home. No, you do it at home and then you bring it with you and then we worship the Lord together here. So hold your place here. We're going to look at a number of scriptures back and forth. Go with me now to Psalm 98. Psalm 98, we're going to read verses 4 through 6. Yeah. 
Psalm 98, four through six, he says, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the guitar, with the piano, with the harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn, shofar horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. So we want to do that. We're going to all shout together, and we're going to clap together, and we're going to blow shofars. Okay, so what if we stand, because that makes it easier. We're going to be up and down today, getting our exercise. You don't have to go to gym later. We're gymming right now. Okay, so we're going to have double shofars. We have Carl over here. We have Reuben at the back. We're all going to be shouting to the Lord, and we're going to be clapping, okay? So when we shout, you might think, what do I shout? Well, praise the Lord is good. Hallelujah is good. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you. I praise you. There's no one like you, Jesus, in all the earth. You are the king over it all. You can shout anything as long as it's worship and praise to him. Okay? You can just shout Jesus over and over if you want. Okay. So on the count of three, let's get started. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Okay. That's good. Thank you. We'll do it again later. Have a seat. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> All right, let's go back to Psalm 47 2. <laughs> I know, I hated to cut that off. Okay, Psalm 47, verse 2 says, For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. So he's the great king over all the earth. In Romans 9 and in James 5, God is mentioned as Lord Sabaoth in our English Bibles. Do you remember seeing that term, Lord Sabaoth? Well, I'll tell you what it is in Hebrew. It's Adonai Sabaoth. And so that's the, that's the English transliteration. It's sort of poor. But um, so if you want to say it in Hebrew... Then God will understand you. <laughs> but this is a powerful name of God, Adonai Tsevaot, because what it means is the, he's the Lord of the armies. So what armies? He's Lord of the armies of Israel. He's Lord of the armies in heaven, all the angelic armies. He's the commander of the host of Israel, and he's Lord over all the armies of men on the earth. He is king over all. All right, verse 3 says, He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. The ancient Jewish people believed that God would subdue all the people under them, and I think he would have had they walked in obedience to his commands because that was the plan. God made a lot of promises to his Jewish people if they would obey his commands. And uh, here's just one, Deuteronomy 28, verse 13 says, The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath, if you heed the commands of the Lord your God. God also promised his people that they would be cursed if they disobeyed. 
And we've seen both throughout history. We've seen that God has blessed his first covenant people, the Jews, when they've been obedient to him. And when they've been indifferent to him or disobedient to him, they have been dominated by other peoples and other nations. Look at verse 4. He will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, whom he loves. The people of Israel are often called Jacob because Jacob's name was changed to Israel. The excellence of Jacob, the excellence of Israel, the people whom he loves. So, of course, this psalm is written to Jewish people. And so we, we want to read it in the context in which it's written, but we also apply to us what we can apply to us too. So verse 4 says, He will choose our inheritance for us. God chose for the Jewish people the inheritance of the land of Israel, the blessings of Abraham, a Messiah, and the gospel of salvation. He promised it all to his Jewish people. In Romans 11, we read that we non-Jews are a wild olive tree that are grafted in to the good olive tree because of Jesus. Jesus grafts us right in to the good olive tree. And so the patriarchs of their patriarchs become our patriarchs. Their scriptures become our scriptures. Their Messiah becomes our Messiah. Their blessings become our blessings. The blessings of Abraham become ours because we're grafted into that good olive tree, God's covenant people. We become partakers of the root and the richness of the olive tree. That's why we want to bless the Jewish people. We never want to be guilty of anti-Semitism. Hold your place there and let's go to Galatians 3. Galatians 3. Going to read some verses in a couple of chapters here. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the nations in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Look at verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, many offspring, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And then look at chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 7. When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that means under the Jewish law, the old covenant law that they needed to keep, to redeem those who were under the law, to redeem the Jewish people, that we, the Jews, might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, now this is for all of us, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So we become heirs as well. Look up in chapter 3, Galatians 3, 27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So there's now not a separation. We're all part of the same life of God because of Jesus. 
Verse 29, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Praise the Lord. Okay. So what does this say to us? Like for the Jewish people, God chooses our inheritance for us. It includes the blessings of Abraham, the Jewish Messiah, the gospel of salvation. It also may include land or wealth like it did to Abraham. It may not include that for some of us. We might see some of our inheritance only once we get to heaven. But whatever our lot is here on earth, we have a good inheritance because we have the Lord himself. That is the best inheritance. We have Jesus. And we can all say like David did in Psalm 16 that we looked at last week. You, O Lord, are the portion of my inheritance and my lot. You maintain my lot. You take care of what belongs to me. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Man, we have a good inheritance. Let's, let's look at another scripture on that. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1. 3 through 5. says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Man, look at our inheritance. That is so neat. It is incorruptible, undefiled. It will not fade away. We have eternal life in God's kingdom with pleasures forevermore, as it says in Psalm 16, verse 11. Okay, now let's go back to Psalm 47. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. The Hebrew word for shout is teruah, and it means a shout of joy, a cry of jubilee, the sounding of trumpets, and a victory shout. And that's part of why shouting to the Lord is often accompanied by trumpets or shofars, because actually the word to shout includes both. It's a shout of joy to the Lord, and it's a sounding of trumpets to the Lord. I'm glad we have a couple of trumpeters in here. God has gone up with a shout. Actually, in Hebrew, it says he ascends or he is exalted in the shout. So every time we shout to the Lord, he ascends, he's exalted. When we shout in praise, we are proclaiming God's triumph and his victory. Psalm 32 verse 11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So some victories come as we pray. You know, you're going through hard times, and as you pray, the victory comes. Some come as we worship the Lord or as we declare God's word into the situation. The power of God's word is released to change the situation. Some victories come as we add fasting to our prayers. But some only come with the shout. Some only come with the shout. So we're commanded to shout. Verse 1 again, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. I married Reuben in 1988 and moved to Israel. 
and my first six or eight weeks in Israel, I came under the oppression and the heaviness in that nation. Israel's mostly made up of people that have immigrated in from over a hundred nations, and they have come from their passport nations where they were persecuted or rejected or mocked or ridiculed, marginalized. The anti-Semitism in their passport country caused them to want to immigrate to the land of Israel, which is their land of promise. They, it, it's good that they came home. We were praying more will go home. That's the safest place for Jews as the days go on and anti-Semitism increases. So because of the rejection they experienced in their own countries, when they moved to Israel, they brought the rejection with them. And you get a nation that's full of rejected people and a nation itself that's rejected by the other nations and by the UN, you've got a stronghold, a territorial spirit over that nation. And that territorial spirit of rejection and abandonment and fear, it all works together to bring a real heaviness, a sadness, a depression. And all of that is part of life in Israel. So um, I didn't know that. I wasn't really warned of that. I didn't understand all that. And when I moved to Israel, it wasn't long before I started feeling sad all the time. I, went, I, I suddenly one day thought, man, I'm not laughing much anymore. I used to be a joyful person. I'm not laughing. I can't think of anything to be happy about. I'm just kind of dragging through every day. And I was studying Hebrew, and that's exhausting. And, you know, so um, as I was praying, sought the Lord about it, he showed me that I had come under that oppression in the nation. I'd come under that spirit of heaviness in the nation, and he told me the way to break it off was to shout in praise. So I began to shout. At about 15 minutes where I was alone, 15, 20 minutes, I think, in my house, and I just shouted the victory. I shouted the word of God. I rebuked every spirit of heaviness and depression off of me in the name of Jesus. Depression-free zone right here. And rebuked the enemy, shouted the Lord's praises over and over until I felt a break. I just also want to say that um, it's not only the Jewish people that have been rejected. The Palestinians have also been rejected. They've been rejected by Israel. They've been rejected by Arab nations that won't take them. And so they are also a rejected people. And the Israeli Arabs are a rejected people. And even non-Jews, Gentiles, who move to Israel in order to volunteer in a kibbutz or in a hospital or nursing home, they are often rejected people. They are usually divorcees that were rejected, felt left alone by their families, and thought, I'll go to Israel. And when they get to Israel, they say, man, I feel so at home here. It's the rejection they walk into connects with the rejection over the land. And they feel at home, so they don't want to leave. It's a nation of rejected people. So um, shouting the victory is personal for me because I have found it in my own life. And it wasn't just then. That was the first time I experienced that this is how I can break through into victory. And since then, I've learned that there are times I can't break through any other way. I've prayed about it. I have fasted. I've declared the word. I've sought the Lord. I've worshiped the Lord. And I think, I need to shout. That's what I'm not doing. That's the missing piece. It's, a, it's part of our spiritual warfare. It's a weapon of warfare that most of us don't use. 
And so I've added that into my life where I shout his victory and I shout his victory over the people that are in bondage. I shout his name, like the name Adonai Rophei. We were shouting that in our home today. His victory over sickness. Adonai Shalom, I was shouting yesterday, the peace of God, the victory that comes with his name, Adonai Shalom. So add that into your repertoire of spiritual warfare, the shout. It breaks off sadness, depression, self-pity, a complaining spirit, fear, and confusion. So you want to be free of all those? Shout with joy to the Lord. Shouting releases the power and the victory of God's name, Adonai Nisi. That means the Lord, my banner, or the Lord, my victor, my triumph. So that releases his name. Remember when the Israelites took the city of Jericho? They marched around it. Um, six days. On the seventh day, they marched around. Oh, and also the priests were blowing shofars as they marched around. And then on the seventh day, they were told to march around it seven times. The, the um, priests were to blow the shofars and the people were to shout. So this is what Joshua said to the people in Joshua 6, 16. Shout for the Lord has given you the victory. The walls hadn't fallen down yet. I mean, the victory wasn't there as far as they can see. Joshua saw it in the spiritual realm. He said, the Lord's already given you the victory. Now shout, and you will see it happen in the natural. Often we have to do things in the spirit realm for it to then be released in the natural. So then he also said in verse 20, now the scripture says, so the people shouted when the priests blew the shofars, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the shofar and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So are you up against a wall? Is there a wall you're facing? Are you walking through something that seems insurmountable? Do you need a miracle in your family, in your health, in your finances? Are you oppressed? Are you struggling with depression? Then I urge you to shout with faith and joy and watch the Lord work miracles. They didn't see the miracle until they shouted. And once they shouted, the walls fell down flat. I like that, fell down flat, because if you talk to archaeologists over there, they'll say, you know, we're not, we've heard the walls of Jericho were so wide and tall and heavy, and yet we don't see hardly any remains. It doesn't make sense to us. Well, the reason is they fell flat. They actually went into the ground. Isn't that cool? They, I mean, God does such neat things. So the walls fell flat, and the people just ran inside and took the city. That's what I want to see. I don't even care to see all the rubble laying around. I just want the walls to go down flat. So Psalm 5 verse 11 says, Let them ever or forever shout for joy. Psalm 132 verse 16 says, I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall, shall shout aloud for joy. Okay, back to Psalm 47. Verses 6 and 7 says, sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. 
For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. So four times in verse 6, we are commanded to praise the Lord. And then a fifth time in verse 7. Why? Because he's the king of all the earth. He's the Lord of the armies of Israel. He's the Lord of the armies of heaven and of the armies of man. He is Lord over every ruler, every judge, every leader. He is worthy whether or not we feel like it. Our feelings have nothing to do with it. God is always worthy of our praise, our worship, and our shouting for joy. When he says sing praises with understanding, what that means is to sing with intelligence and thoughtfulness. It's contemplating his virtues and his works and seeing how worthy he is of our praise. It's not just praising with your your mind's not connected. Your mind is fully connected, and you know he is fully worthy. You've contemplated it. You've thought about it, and you know he is worthy of your praise. So that's why the psalmist says, sing praises with understanding. Know what you're doing. Know that he's worthy of that. Okay, let's hold the place there and flip over to Psalm 95. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. You know, when you start looking at all these shout verses, it's amazing how many there are, isn't it? And then you think, why why isn't this incorporated into our lives and into our church lives more? Psalm 95. In one it says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. All right, back to Psalm 47. Last two verses. Verse 8, God reigns over the nations. He sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together, the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. The word shields is from an ancient Hebrew word. It's symbolic for protective rulers. So what verse 9 says is these rulers are under God's dominion and he is exalted over them. Remember Psalm 2, Reuben taught on it uh, last semester, Psalm 2. He says in verse 1, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his Messiah, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. He shall hold them in derision. Because he knows there's no competition here. He is king over all this. It says in verse 10, Be wise, O kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, with awe. Rejoice with trembling. That's the wise thing to do. Okay, and then let's go to Psalm 33. Psalm 33, and we're going to read verses 10 through 12. Psalm 33.10 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen as his own inheritance. These verses 10 and 11 are so good to pray as you're interceding for other nations. 
Um, I was praying this morning for the three top nations that are persecuting believers. Number one is Afghanistan. Number two is North Korea. And number three is Somalia. And so this morning I was praying for these nations and I was saying, Lord, bring the counsel of these nations to none effect. Make the plans of the wicked people in these nations that are persecuting your people. Lord, make them of no effect. Bring them to nothing. Lord, it's your counsel that stands forever. The plans of your heart to all generations. Would you bless? Would you care for? Would you protect the people that are called by your name? You know, so you just pray the word as he leads you. He has chosen our inheritance for us, it says in Psalm 47, verse 4. And God has chosen us as his inheritance, we just read in verse 12 of Psalm 33. We are his inheritance. He is our inheritance. God sits on his holy throne in heaven. He is surrounded by angelic beings who are praising him all the time. And he reigns over all nations, all galaxies, all earthly leaders, rulers, and sovereigns. So, of course, it's natural that we're going to praise him, that we're going to clap, that we're going to shout for joy, we're going to shout his victory, and we're going to exalt his name. Let's look at one more scripture, Psalm 66. Psalm 66, 1 through 4, says, Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. So all of us, make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. Verse 5, come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men. So we're going to close by singing, our God is an awesome God. And then we're going to clap and shout and blow shofars again. Because we only warmed up. Just now. Now we're going to really do it. Now we're going to be serious. So there's a small song sheet on your table that is, Our God is an Awesome God, if you can find that one. Scripture says we're to praise the Lord with a harp. I brought mine. I took off about a million strings, and now it's only a six-string guitar. You got to do what you got to do, right? Piano's a harp. Okay, so let's all stand together. Okay.
Thank you. Just want to say the reason the words uh, that he reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love is those are the three truths we need to know in order to trust God. When we know that he's all wise, that he's all powerful, and that he's all love, we can trust him with our lives. Praise the Lord. Okay, so we have about five more minutes, six minutes. Why don't you, uh, are you going to say something, Reuben? Why don't you just wait and let Reuben say something? <laughs> you know, to our mature intellectual minds, this is foolishness. It's utter childishness. It's not childish, it's childlike. And for several weeks, I really look to show in, in previous Psalms, God is looking for childlikeness. He found it in David. David was childlike. And over and over again, he didn't want to step out of the childlike, even though he was mature, even though he was the king of the country. But he had such release and such freedom in worshiping God. It says that as they were bringing the ark up to Jerusalem, the king is twirling, spinning, twirling, just having his ephod on, his wrapped underwear. That's all he had. And he's weeping, and he's, he's just going ballistic in worship in God. And his wife saw him as he was entering the city, and it says that Michal despised what he was doing. You see, the natural man will never perceive the things of the spirit. They're foolishness to them. That's what Paul writes. But when we become childlike and when we do what the scripture tells us to do and when we worship the way that David worshiped, we're entering into a place of communion with God that is pleasing to our father. He wants us to be mature. He wants us to be grown up. But he wants us always to step into childlikeness when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon. So some of you had a mild type of entering in. And your shout was, oh, praise the Lord. As you looked around at other people. I just want to say that there is resistance against childlikeness. In every adult, there's resistance. But you know, I am so thankful that you're not only adult, you're senior adults. 
Hey, regular adults, a lot of them, they're saying they'd have a lot more hard time with this because they see their kids doing it all the time. And they don't want to act like their kids. That's true. A lot of it comes from fear. It comes from unknown. It comes from our education. Thank you, Father, Jesus prayed that you have hidden from the intellectual what you have revealed to mere babes. And this is a strategic key in our end time journey that we're all a part of right now. I mean, you remember when I was teaching about how childlike David had to become when he was in front of Akish? When they were singing, David slayed his thousands. I mean, Saul slayed his thousands, but David slayed his ten thousands. And Akish looks at him, and he's ready to take his head off. And the Spirit of the Lord comes upon David, and he acts like a crazy man. He gets down and starts scratching on the door. He allows spittle to come down into his beard. That's being very childlike. But it saved his life. God wants us to graduate into new levels of kingdom living. Jesus' likeness. And in the midst of it, at times, he'll call us to be just like a child. Let the little children come unto me, Jesus said. For such is the kingdom of heaven. So I praise the Lord that we can do some childlike things. Blowing a couple of horns and, and Marianne grabbing, and we're going to do a little dancing. And the rest of us probably went, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> consider the source. Yeah, consider the source. <laughs> but we are in a day where the Father is saying, listen, I want you to step out of your intellectualism and into reality of kingdom life. Because often the kingdom is expressed in the lives of sons and daughters, his children. So we've had a good expression today of some release and some opportunity. Now, Janet, you were going to share something at the close. Oh, you're going to have a share around our tables? Yeah, Come. I, we don't really have time now. So if you want to just make sure you know everyone at your table and say a few words. If anyone wants prayer, then just pray for one another quickly. And we need to be out of here in about three minutes. We need to, we need to be moving out in three minutes. So the next group can move in. And one PS, one PS on this. Listen, we birthed something this morning toward being childlike. Now, as you're walking through uh, HEB this week, and all of a sudden you feel a little Holy Spirit, you can go, hallelujah. Now, now you're going to... Listen, it will be out of place, but you know what? Our father will go, did, what, did you hear that? And then she did it again. Listen, do not fear man. Do not fear man. Do not care about what others think of you. We are living before the eyes of our father. And that's all that matters. Have a great week.